Welcome to Faithful Doubt. My name is Jordan. Today we have a special episode. We have a sit down with a special guest named Rob Harlemert. Rob and I actually graduated from the same university, Johnson University in Tennessee. Uh, and Rob and I have been connected through social media uh, and Faithful Doubt on Facebook. And we've had some great talks, great conversations. And I thought, let's have Rob on and talk about a very important question that I think a lot of Christians and non-Christians struggle with, which is, is God good? So for today's sit down, we're going to discuss that uh, and just watch this episode. Thanks for coming on today, Rob. No problem. Um, Rob's a pastor down here in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Uh, and Rob and I actually both graduated from the same university, Johnson yeah. University. Uh, you were 2014? Yep, 2014. I was 2015. So uh, Rob and I, Rob has been part of Faithful Doubt for a few months. I don't yeah. know yeah. exactly when he joined. Yeah, a couple months ago. A couple months yeah. ago. And um, we've, I've appreciated your engagement on Faithful Doubt, your yeah, support. Um, I value what your opinion and perspective is very much, um, as I've told you before, uh, this, this episode. I, I just, I love what you put on um, your own social media and you have your own podcast called Rooted. Yeah, it's called Rooted, yeah. Um, so Rob's on today because we're going to talk about, about a very important question uh, that a lot of people seem to have, non-Christians, Christians alike, and that is, is God good? Yeah. Um, and I think we could probably talk about this for a long time. Sure, yeah. But we're going to try to keep it short. But before I get to that, um, I wanted to just invite you to share a little bit about yourself, yeah. where you came from, your upbringing and experience with the faith. Okay. Well, I'm not going to go into the full details yeah. of that. But I, so I, when it came to the Christian church, um, I started coming to church because I started dating a girl. And she said, I don't date anybody that doesn't go to church. So... <laughs> I said, I guess I'm going to church. That's a pretty good reason to go to church. I guess I'm going to church. And uh, that girl uh, is now my wife. So we, awesome. we've been together since high school. Um, I went to camp, and I felt a, a calling to potentially do ministry. Um, and I met a, a guy there when I was deciding on where to go to college. His name was Isaac Limeister. Mm. And he was like, he's still doing youth ministry. He's now, he just got, took a job at uh, Northeast in Louisville, big church. He's very talented. Mm. And I... I, knew, I now know this is not true, but at the time, I'm like, he was the best speaker. He did the campfire. He did an incredible job. I was like, if I'm going to be the best youth minister, I'm going to go to the place where he learned how to be a youth minister. <laughs> so I decided to go, and he went to Johnson. So I decided to go to Johnson Bible College, and that was how I got there. And So that's like the, the short-term story of not going to church. Jesus entered my life and immediately changed my heart to go towards ministry. Yeah. And so you became a Christian about a year before you went to Johnson? Yeah, my junior true? year. Okay. Yeah, junior year of high school, I was baptized. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And now you're full-time head pastor. I'm a church, yeah, a church planting lead minister, yeah, in town. So it's, I went from not knowing anything to planting a church within, how many years is that? Eight years? Yeah. Yeah, eight years. Yeah. No, that's not 14 years. Sorry, 14 years. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Wait, we're about, I'm bad at math. Yeah. Yeah. So. 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems like a long time, but it's. No, yeah. it's, glory to God. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's um, great experience. And I think that had a lot to do with my first church I worked at was a church plant. Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by church planting. I got to work through a lot of stuff with them at the beginning. So it was just kind of natural for me to, to do that. It was just something we always talked about. I felt like I was 
slowly called to it. Yeah. And so it was, it was a lot easier transition than somebody who grew up in like a really large church mm-hmm. and didn't know anything about starting a church. Yeah. And I already had a lot of good background and great mentors here who are, did it just a few years before me. So yeah, awesome. it, was, it was a well-rounding experience. So they say I didn't really church plant. They don't say, they don't like to, they say I cheated. cheated. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that, yeah. No, I, I think uh, God's really using you uh, where you are right now. And, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I believe it, yeah. It's, awesome. it's amazing to see great. the work he's doing through you. But um, our whole reason behind Faithful Doubt, as you know, is to address those things that perhaps keep us from the faith. Yeah. Or have driven us away from faith. Yeah. And so, real quick, if you if you have something to add to this, uh, I'd love to hear it. Was there anything that really kept you away, or you've struggled with in your in your own walk um, that you just like you can't you you constantly think about this doubt or this question? Uh, you know, like, do I really believe that th- that there's an all powerful, all knowing God? Yeah. Is there anything that you just really struggle with? Or have struggled with it hasn't i wouldn't say that it's whether or not i believe god exists or is real or the history of it mm-hmm. but i've struggled and wrestled with the history of god through the world mm-hmm. up until this point okay um so a lot of uh the way that old testament stuff panned out um a lot of the new testament stuff how christians interacted with each other and yeah, I mean, you can go back further with the Jewish people interaction mm-hmm. and the decision there where they did not have God in them except for a few, but they had a more tangible God than we do at this point, and they still made certain decisions. And I, I never made the connection like people do now with current day in Old Testament and like they point the finger, mm-hmm. um, but I really struggle with that. And from time to time, in insecure moments uh or if i'm doing some certain studying it kind of breaks my heart the way that certain things panned out in the old testament and maybe that's the design of it maybe that's the the incomplete and why we need jesus so much but yeah i think that was my biggest struggle especially early bible college yeah go from no knowledge to studying about noah and death and adam yeah it's just i struggle with that yeah the entire world being destroyed other than five people um that's pretty rough to read about. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah especially then very graphic. It's like uh, in youth ministry, I used to do the uh, a series called The Untold Stories of Children's Ministry. Mm-hmm. So I'd take children's ministry stories, but then told, tell the whole story. Yeah. And uh, mostly because of I didn't know the other parts of the stories yeah. from the children's ministry stories that we all know and love. And I didn't want my students to have the same experience mm-hmm. when they went to college and someone's like, did you know this happened in the Bible? And they're like, that didn't happen in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love doing that, and they love doing that. They thought it was cool, but it was intentional. Yeah, when we think about the story of Noah, we just think of the rainbow. And yeah, the so you don't, like, you don't think about you know, what happened to the rest of the people. So I struggled with that. Um, and then after, we don't have to get into everything. So after he exited the boat and the interaction with his son and our sons, Yes. And family members struggled, you know, with that. And it's just like, what? That doesn't make, why does that happen? And you just see sin and how it can change people um, yeah. just intertwined in Scripture and just not being obedient and, and the direct correlation of obedience and not being obedient to, like, bad things happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just a slow process. 
I, I agree with you, though, in, in part. I think a lot of the Old Testament is to show us how broken we are and what happens when we're disobedient. Sure, yeah. And, and, or what happens when God is absent yeah. and we remove him from, yeah. from our life. So yeah. that, 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 of course, is, is hard to read. Um, yeah. But that's, that all leads and points to Christ. Yeah, the, the story that kind of brought it all together, where I, it's a story with David, and um, he got frustrated because one of his guys that was carrying the Ark of the Covenant, now they were carrying the Ark the wrong way, mm-hmm. And they put it on uh, some cattle to carry it when it was supposed to be carried with poles. And the cattle stumbled, the ark started slipping off, and one of his good friends touched it and he died. And David got mad at God and sent the ark away. And then he went to war and lost because he didn't have God on his side. But the guy who had the ark was receiving all these blessings, and he got jealous. And he said, I want the ark back because I want to be blessed again. And that's where the story with him dancing in the streets and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but it kind of just showed this perfect picture of what happens without God and how we, we put ourselves first in a lot of situations because we don't like our uh, current situation, which yeah. a lot of this has to do with, you know, is God good in that situation? Yeah, that's, that's why I was uh, thinking this is a perfect transition into yeah. that question. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people have struggled with what you're talking about um, yeah. or do struggle with it currently. Yeah. Uh, when they read the Old Testament, I, I actually had a youth student ask me about, you know, how is it fair that the guy that tried to protect the ark and keep it yeah. from falling, yeah. how is it fair that he died? Yeah. And that was a whole other conversation. Yeah, but, but it all surrounds uh, this question. Of, yeah, is which God good is God good? Or uh, another way to ask it, if God is good, why are there so many horrible things? Why is there evil in the world? Sure, That's, those are two different that's you two different. different. Oh yeah, that's okay. big. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll stick with. We the can person. do either one. Either one. I'll talk about either one or both. We can talk about both. Well, okay. So is is God good? Uh, what yeah. are what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you all have to. It all starts with how we think at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the definition of good is the most important part of this scenario. So who defi- who defines good? Yeah. Is it Webster? Is it me? Is it scripture? Is it our government? Like our, our, our teachers or our parents? Who is the person that gets to write the definition of what good is? And if you're a Christian or you, you're a Christ follower, um, obedient to God, you would say that the definition of good starts with our lens through God and not through the lens of what gives us pleasure and what is good. Um, because what you think is good when it comes to pizza is different than maybe what I think is good in pizza because you like pizza and I don't like pizza. Oh, okay. So there is no good pizza. (laughs) And that's like the whole, what we're trying to, what we fight about in the world is, um, this war on what is good, like what is right, what is good. So is God good? If you start with God, the answer is always yes. Now, when it comes back to us, are we okay with that good is where we struggle. And the, if the answer is, no, I'm not okay with that good, that is an okay answer. It yeah. is okay to have that doubt and that frustration yeah. when, it comes to, when it comes to God. So with the thing about, was God good and just when he allowed, what was the name, Uzzah, mm-hmm. to touch the ark and die? Well, if he allowed him to live 
would the good of the importance of the ark and God's place in the ark, would that lower the importance of how holy he is? Yeah. The answer is yeah. yeah. Like you cannot, God does not waver on, on his goodness for the um, safety and pleasure of individuals. Yeah, like I, when I read that story and when I talk with my students about it, it's precisely because of God's goodness that Uzzah died. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's hard to digest, right? Like yeah. to hear that. But God is so holy and pure, no sin can enter into his presence. And yeah. so it's, it's just eliminated yeah. from his presence and it, it, yeah. it won't enter. So in order for Uzzah to enter into his presence, he would have to have been cleansed, sinless. And so it, yeah, it, nobody can touch it. Yeah, nobody can touch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why Jesus is so important. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this all feeds into him. So we all have we all have preferences in our life. Yeah. We all like the pizza thing. Like yeah. we all have preferences. Um, churches have preferences. Every church is different, um, depending on the eldership and, and leadership structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's okay. People get frustrated with that, but different churches attract different people mm-hmm. and everybody's different. We need to be able to attract all types of people for Jesus. Yeah. Um not there shouldn't just be one view of church. Um, but when it comes to our preferences with God, the, 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 the follow-up question is, are you okay with removing something that you yourself like or love and replace it with the heart and what God loves? Yeah. That's, I mean, is that not the definition of submitting your life to God? Which yeah. is really hard to do. Yeah. Uh, God's going to challenge you. He's going to counter your beliefs at some point mm-hmm. if you're really yeah. serious about that relationship. Yeah. And so I think you're, I totally agree with you. We got to define what good is. Yeah. Um, because we have a tendency to think, well, what's good for me yeah. is what I, I think you said pleasure, yeah. what I enjoy or what's pleasurable yeah. to me. Yeah. And it could be comfort. I mean, it, it, there's a, there's a billion, if you can put an adjective in front of anything and you can define that as good. Yeah. Um, you can do it with with money. You can do it with relationships. Everybody's de- definition of how much money you should have, yeah. how much, what a relationship will look like, how you yeah. spend time with your spouse or your kids. Um, everything has a subjective understanding behind it. But the only thing that's not subjective mm-hmm. is what God speaks into existence. Mm-hmm. Um, because as a Christian, we believe that He was, and He is, and He will be, always the same. He does not change. He's, he is the most consistent thing, other being that's ever existed. For sure. And if we believe that, then his definition of good never changes. Yeah. That doesn't mean that our definition of preference doesn't have to, I mean, it will change over time. Yeah. The things that you like when you're two years old will be different when you're 25 and when you're 50 and when you're, hopefully if you reach 90. Yeah. What you like will change. But what God loves and likes does not change. No. It is always the same. And you can look at every political issue. You can look at all the different things that people are arguing about online. And it's all about the definition of good. But we never step back to see, you know, what what is truly good mm. and just in this world. Because it's all about what we want. Yeah. Well how do so how do we how do we approach someone who's never heard the gospel? They've never heard about God and or they're just hostile towards the idea of God. Yeah. How 
how do we approach someone that they think God is this horrible, evil monster in the Old Testament? How do we approach them and explain what it means for him to be good? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have any. Well, the first, if you if you are talking to somebody that's that's hostile, yeah. Um, the first thing that you need to remember is you need to treat people the way that other people want to be treated. The way that other people want, or sorry, you want to treat people the way that you would like to be treated. Mm. So if you want to be listened to, mm-hmm. you need to first listen to them. Mm. It's very important. You have to listen to the whole thing. Don't interrupt them. Don't try to finish their sentences. Try to truly understand where they're coming from. And then ask them if, if they would be willing to listen to what you have to say. I, yeah. And you have to do it in that order. It can't be an attacking. It can't be. It has to be a, a, if this person was a Christian, or if I wasn't a Christian, how would I want somebody to approach me and hearing about something that is the most important thing in the world? Mm. Like if I had a way to cure cancer and I wanted to share, but everybody thought I was crazy, what would be the best way to approach somebody and convince them that this is like the way to cure cancer? And the best way to do that is you have to hear the other side first yeah. and you have to have an answer. I like that a lot. I just, I think a lot of Christians, including myself, we fail at doing that a lot of times. Yeah. Or we just struggle with it um, because it's very easy to just go ahead and just say, this is what I know. And, yeah. and this, like when you know God and you, and you have a relationship with Jesus, I'm so anxious to share that with someone, but it, it is proper and good to remind ourselves, take a step back, listen to what they have to say yeah. first and, and just have a conversation. But I think that this question is so important and it, I think it's a roadblock for a lot of people. Yeah. How do we read the Old Testament and justify it with, or reconcile it, not, excuse me, not re- justify, reconcile yeah. it with the New Testament? Because those yeah. seem to be two different, seemingly. Yeah, things. it feels that way. Um, so is God good in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament or yeah. is he only good in the New Testament? Yeah, I think he's good through the entire, the entire canon. Uh, that we read i you're supposed to wrestle with it Mm. and you're supposed to see both sides now we're naturally going to see the human side Mm. and say well i can't believe that god would destroy entire towns i can't believe that god would allow i mean you can go to anything like you see leprosy you see bad leadership you see all these things Um, but all of those things happened due to people choosing themselves over what god had to say um, so you can see Adam and Eve, there was, there was truth that was, that was spoken. Adam and Eve decided we're going to do something else. And then the consequences happened. Yep. You can go a little bit further on um, the, the Jewish people or the Israelites getting captive for the first time for the 400 years mm. um, because they did not pass the word of God down from generation to generation. They mm-hmm. received it, but they didn't tell their kids about it. Mm. So whenever a new Pharaoh came, he said, they said that he did not know the Lord. Mm. Why did he know the Lord? Because nobody told him, nobody told yeah. him about it and how important he was. So he viewed all these people as great workers. Mm. You go, you can continue on. Why do we have our first king? Because the Israelites, the Jewish people yeah. said, hey, everybody else is a king. Yeah. I want a king. Mm-hmm. God's like, I'm your king. Like, no. I want a king. So they found the tallest guy in the camp and made him a king. 
No other qualifications. You're recapping the Old Testament. I could go forever. (laughs) It's amazing. And it's just, you just see of what could have been good. Yeah. And then you see the people every single time redefining what good is and what it could be. Yeah. And then you see the consequences because of it. Well, real quick, I want to go to what you said, what you're saying about Adam and Eve. Like, because I think some people would say, well, wouldn't God, if he's really good, wouldn't he allow people to do whatever they want? without yeah. repercussion yeah i think that goes back to what is our purpose on this earth mm-hmm. which I, I can go fall into uh what good is so I, why were we why were we created in the first place mm-hmm. and that was to worship god mm-hmm. to be in communion with him and worship him so the, the you know the perfect picture of adam and eve walking with god having a an actual relationship with him it seemed almost tangible as we read because yeah. it kind of after the fall or after they sinned, you see, it almost eludes that God was walking in the garden and yes. came, yep. came to them. Yep. Um, now, we don't experience that today. No. But that was a different type of relationship of how God wanted to enjoy his creation. Yeah. And almost this fellowship all surrounding this perfect area that he created mm-hmm. to live in harmony with one another. And when sin entered the picture there is no longer that ability to do that anymore. No. So it's, if you want to say he sh- they should be able to do whatever they want, it's no longer about God at that point. Yeah. It's about us. It's about us. Yeah. And from the beginning, it wasn't about us. Mm-mm. It was about God. Right. And that's a, that's a hard thing for people. Um, well, yeah, because, well, I think for obvious reasons, but we want to be our own God. Yeah, yeah. People don't like hearing that. Yeah. They just they just want to do what they want. Like if God loved me, then he would love what I love. Yeah. And I can say, well, as a human, I can say, yeah. Like I'm just going to you can love what you want, you can do what you want. I'm mm-hmm. going to love and support you either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but this but I'm not the standard. God's the standard. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to follow him and and towards his will um it's not god's behind us having his shoulder on our hands and we're we're leading god it's not that way right it's literally the opposite way Mm. and i understand why people struggle with it i get that we have preferences and we're bent towards certain things and we want to do certain things with our marriages we want to do certain things with um, are certain preferences and I mean, I struggle issues. with it now. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I would be lying if I said, like, I don't struggle with my yeah. preferences. And uh-huh. God, why why do I have to submit this part of my life yeah. to you in this way? I, I yeah. mean, I ask those questions. And I think it's a dishonest to say I, you shouldn't or you, you never have. Yeah. Um, but it, I back to should you be able to do whatever you want, you are able to do whatever you want. Yeah, no, that, that is the that is the goodness and love of God. Mm-hmm. We all have the ability and the power and the free will to do whatever we want. Yeah, but God loves you so much; He's not going to force you into His presence. Yeah, and if you don't want Him, yeah, He He won't be. He won't. Yeah. He'll leave you. Yeah, He'll leave you to yourself. Yeah. Do you really want that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this is where it gets really hard to talk about. So this is we're entering into why does loving God allow bad things happen? Yeah. Like why and um that that's the definition of what true love is. 
Mm. Man, true love is a choice. It's not forcing. Yeah. Um, now we do have certain cultures in the world that um, marriage happens by um, arranged marriages. Like mm -hmm. it's not a choice. It is. It's a telling. Um, but the 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 part where that arranged marriage, the people decide to love each other. Mm. That's when it becomes really beautiful. Mm. And anything that is forced is not genuine. So God wanted this genuine love between his creation and him where there was a choice to follow him. Yeah. That's what he, and in order for that true love to happen, there has to be another choice. Because if there's only one choice, it's not a choice. It's, it's, just, choice. it's just one way to go. Right. Um, but he wanted that choice. Yeah. He wanted the free will of, of his creation. And unfortunately, and fortunately to some people, there's always that other choice. And he willingly allows you to do that. And, and that choice, it. if it's not God, then by definition, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good. So yeah. that's, that's why I said earlier, yeah. I, I think you can kind of relate the question of why does God allow evil? Yeah. Uh, or horrible things to happen. Yeah. Because we, choose, we don't choose him yeah. in every aspect of our life. But all of this, I mean, you can use any, any adjective or, or, or any biblical term. So you could use evil, mm -hmm. you could use good, you can use prayer, you can use worship, um, giving, tithing. Um, all of these things can be redefined by humans. Yeah. Um, to better fit what we want. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go on. There's, there's plenty of biblical words. Um, that we hear from our school system, from our political system, from our just conversations with one another, and throughout our life, they've they have changed what that definition is. Um, the definition of bad is not the same definition as bad now. Mm. Um, so you, you got things like the prohibition where alcohol was bad. Yeah, it was illegal to yeah. have alcohol. Now yeah. it's no longer illegal. Right. So like the definition is a continual changing of our human nature of bad. But there is still a biblical definition of what bad or wrong is. And that goes with the, is God good? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's all about where do we start with definitions? Yeah. Do we start with scripture or do we start with self? If we start with self, we're really going to struggle <laughs> with going to what God's yeah. uh, definition is. Yeah. If we start with the definition of God, you will see how much freedom you have when you switch to self. Yeah. Which moves into freedom in Christ mm. in Romans 6. Like, that's where you see the true freedom in, that we have in Christ. I'll, I, I'm going to go with where we're going here. Okay. I'm going to follow over here. Yeah. But uh, I love that you're bringing that up because in my interactions with non-Christians, their point of view uh, is that I am enslaved yeah. to someone or something, yeah. which I am. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. But the, the assumption they're making is that they're not yeah. enslaved to anything. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can be enslaved even to yourself, mm -hmm. to sin, yeah. um, obviously to sin. Yeah. And the freedom you're talking about is there, there is like a peace and a freedom that when you just give up control yeah. and say, my life is yours. Yeah. My will is your will, or let your will be done, not yeah. mine. I'm straining to you. When you do that, there is like this freedom of, yeah. I'm not really in, 
but aren't we under a false assumption that we're in control? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we are slightly in control. So it, uh, from an earthly standpoint, you have, you have two different aspects. Yeah. You have an ever-changing world, mm -hmm. which it is. It, it is completely, if you looked 200 years ago, it looks completely different now than it did. And we make decisions and buy things based on whatever's changing in the world. So you're, whether you think you're free or not, like you can't buy a car 100 years from 100 years ago. Yeah. Like, because it's not going to work. You can't find parts. You're mm -hmm. going to buy the, you're just going to buy a car that's nowadays. Like you are under whatever the market is doing. Um, and you can go through all of those things, clothes, music, everything. The freedom comes when you have a consistent being that you are following mm -hmm. that never changes. And you don't have to worry about that being changed. Right. And right. you can stay consistent with a consistent being. Yeah. When you are following the world and you are free in the world, mm -hmm. your preferences and your desires will just be judged by the thing, by whatever the time is. Yeah. Culture or whatever. Whatever it is. And it's always changing. As as Christians, you're judged by something that's never changing. Yeah. So worrying about like what I'm wearing or what music I'm listening to or what cool hip sayings that I'm all I've always been bad at keeping up with. Um I mean you can go through anything that we are judged, how we look, our mm -hmm. different hairstyles over the years, the different like glasses frames, the different sure. technology that we're using how we use technology, how we use social media is all being judged by the standard of whoever created it or whoever is currently running those systems. Mm -hmm. We're judged by something that has been consistent for the beginning of time. Yeah. And there's a lot more freedom in that than knowing if you can say a phrase or not or if it's now offensive or not offensive. Mm. Um, if you don't have to worry about that stuff, you're just following Christ. There's a lot of freedom yeah. in that. Where I would rather be judged by a consistent person than being laughed at by kids because my shoes are a year old. That doesn't bother me anymore. It doesn't bother you anymore. anymore but it, it, does, it, it did. I'm sure it did at one point. I wanted to look cool. Yeah. Well, hey, and, every youth pastor does. Yeah. <laughs> I realized early I was not cool. I am not cool at all. I'm constantly reminded of how old I am yeah. and how uncool I You're am. You're not so. old, but we're not cool. I well, when you're, when you're 18 or 17, 29 seems kind of old. Oh, I guess it does. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was told very old. Started at 24. Rob is not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Rob is not cool. And I'm okay with that. I'm not cool. If I had known you better at Johnson, I probably would have told you you weren't cool. That's okay. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I'm not cool. I was pretty self-aware of that. Yeah. Well, uh, I did have a thought. You said, we're, no, you were talking about Adam and Eve walking through the garden with God. Do you think? Do you think that was Jesus walking? If, if God was walking with them, do you think it was in the person of Jesus? Oh, that's a good question. So, uh, C.S. Lewis would would say yes. Okay. Um, I don't have an answer for you. Well, on that. why not? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't have <laughs> an answer. I know. I just. I don't. I can point to other way smarter people on what they believe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, C.S. Lewis would say that once there was a perfect being on this earth, which would be Jesus, there would be no reason for God to create another perfect mm. uh, being. Um, so that's why he said, I'm not gonna go into that. But it, so yeah, he would say it was Jesus. Um, yeah. I love the idea that it is Jesus. I, I love it. I mean, I like I just recently thought about it like, yeah. like that two years ago. Mm -hmm. 
I never thought about it that way, but I love the I love that it would be, but I don't know if it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, if Jesus exists, I think of the beginning of John. Yeah. And the the word was with God yeah. and before before time and the world mm-hmm. existed, he was with them and Yeah. If he made everything through Jesus, yeah. And in Jesus, it would make sense that yeah, that's who's interacting and having a relationship with yeah. Adam and Eve. So I love that thought. Was, you just provoked that. I mean, Sorry. When you're ta- no, was good. perfect. But um, uh, I'm going to kind of wrap up here. But to, to end uh, our time together, I have an important question that I like to ask all my guests. Um, yeah. What are some of the issues or problems you see either locally or in the international church facing Christians today? Yeah. Or Christianity. So I'd like to, I can speak to. Like, I think your area, being in the Bible Belt, is probably, most of your audience is probably uh, right now in the, in the Bible Belt. And that's what I know the, the most. Do we consider I, Indiana part of the Bible Belt? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I never knew that. Yeah, just, you know, heavy, like you have really old churches, you know, 100 year plus yeah. churches. Like, the, yeah. Christianity has been around for a long time Yeah. in, in those areas. And they've, they've had a lot of impact in the community and, and different rules and regulations. And like this church we're in right now is 102 years old. It's mm-hmm. been around for a very, very long time. It's a beautiful building too. No, it's terrible. It's old <laughs> crap. I can't say that. Bleep that up. <laughs> yeah, right. the, uh, um, the, 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 the problem facing the church is a generational problem of preference. And we let our preferences get ahead of um, sharing Christ with people. Um, I just read something recently that said it was it was a great minister, and he said if I if I was Satan, I wouldn't try to convince people that God wasn't real. I would just convince people that being busy in the church was the most important thing. That they would just become busy within their churches on doing things and not sharing the gospel. Is that from the Screw Tape Letters? I don't know. It, was, it sounds like a C.S. Lewis thing. So no, it was uh, Tom Rayner that said that. Okay. He, wrote a, he probably got it from the Screw Tape Letters. Would be probably be pretty consistent with C.S. Lewis. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. It, it totally does. It, it aligns well with C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think that's the biggest issue, where people just want nice services, they want their Bible studies, and they just want to study until they pass away. It's a routine. Go, I go every Sunday. And yes. I see the same people every Sunday. And yeah. I feel good about myself. Yep. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's been a huge lack of um, evangelism discipleship over the past you know, 30 years, where the pass down of knowledge from generation to generation um, has been, just hasn't happened. And we look at the previous or the next generation as annoying and a nuisance and not, you know, when I pass away, somebody has to take my spot. And this generational Christianity has had a lot of kinks in it and a lot of broken chains over the past 30 years. Um, You said that your family, you grew up in the church, mm-hmm. and like that's my favorite testimony because it's generational Thank faith. Thank you. Um, where that wasn't necessarily my, there's a lot of breaks and cuts in my family. Mm-hmm. Like my grandparents did go to church, my parents didn't overly go to church, and there was like a break there, and there's still a break in that yeah. moment. And uh, whenever people don't follow the will of God, they don't follow the two commands of Jesus to go and the world and make disciples, baptize mm-hmm. in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then saying, you'll be my witnesses uh, in Samaria, Judea, I'm missing one, uh, into the ends of the earth. Yes. Like, yep. If you miss those two commands, 
there will be a lot of heartache. Like there's heartache in my family because mm. there wasn't that faithfulness and obedience for generations. Yeah. And if we look at the next generation as a nuisance, there will be breaks in the chain, which mm. will cause heartache and frustration and deaths of churches. And I don't want that. Yeah. I heard a really great example when, when I was at Bible college. I don't know if it was a chapel or a professor, but he said, my favorite church would be where the younger or the older crowd was looking at the next generation and saying, I want to do any music and sermons that the younger generation wants to do. And, wow. the, and the younger generation's looking at the older generation saying, I want to do anything they want to do because they've been faithful. In the I love that. And it's like this cross of like, yeah. I only want what the old wants and I only want what the new wants. It's selfless. And it's a selfless church. And I'm going to steal that I, if you're okay with that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I stole it. I just told you I stole it. And I haven't been a part of a church uh, that has done that yet, mostly because I've only worked with younger churches. But I hope that like the church that we're in now, that my, my, my home and sending church, I hope when they're 40 years old that they're doing that. And I hope the church that I pastor now, uh, when I preach there for 30, hopefully 30 years, hopefully this is the last church I ever preach at, um, I hope when I pass it off, the next generation is doing that as well. Yeah. That it, it's like, man, what, what can we do to get this younger generation to fall in love with Jesus? And the, the younger crowd is like, I just want to know how you followed Jesus for all these years. And if we do that, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. It's, we have a cultural term for the younger generation. Is you're just a millennial. And it's like, well, millennials are like getting old now. So yeah, no, <laughs> thirty-one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, the inspiration for the high school ministry that I do is from Titus three five. Okay. Uh, the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit, regeneration. It's called regeneration. The ministry. Yeah. Because uh, it is. It's important to pass on that knowledge and that relation. Like, it's not just knowledge. It's the love and relationship that I have. Yeah. I want you to know about it. Yeah. And they're go the next generation is what's going to regenerate the church and, yeah. and keep, uh, you know, God's not dependent on us. He doesn't need us for anything. No. But he wants us. Yeah. He wants to use us yeah. to build his kingdom and glorify yeah. him. So that's, I think it's really important uh, that you made that distinction. But yeah. do you see that as a Western church, American church issue locally. I think it's more locally right now, like on this part of the United States, because there's a lot of old churches here. Yeah. Now the churches out um, in California and on that coastline that are a lot younger mm -hmm. of churches. Um, just the, it's taken a lot longer over there. They don't have as much history. Yeah. As as us, like some of those states, you know, in the past hundred years have been added. Um, they will face that in the next ten years. Mm. So all those things that. All the things that we experienced here on this side with not really wanting to be wanted and people don't want to change music or their preaching style or how they dress or just try to do anything outside of sin to reach people, mm -hmm. like the fight against that, they're, they're pretty close to that. Mm. And so I'm interested to see what the West Coast Church does in the next you know, 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Um, because everything's cool because it's still new. Yeah, right. Like the biggest church over there is like... Uh, the, the lead guy just retired. He planted it, and it's uh, like 40 years. So it's a 40-year-old church. Crazy. And I'm, we're sitting in a 102-year-old building. Yeah. That was a church, you know? Yeah. So I'm interested to see what, what happens over there. I know there's some uh, large and up-and-coming churches in Seattle, which yeah. the Pacific Northwest would be yep. hard to. But they're not that old. Yeah, yeah. They're not that old. So they haven't. Some, a lot of these big mega churches are they're 
their planting minister is still the lead guy. Yeah. So I want to see what happens on like their third or fourth senior minister. Mm. See what the people are like. Because preference doesn't come um, until, you know, probably the third or fourth senior minister. Right. Because it's, it's no longer held up by the senior guy who planted the church. It's slowly put on by the people. And then they try to find a senior minister that fits their, what they want. Mm-hmm. Like they, you don't hire a senior minister that's completely different than the congregation because then the congregation will leave. You're right. And at that point, when you hire a senior minister based on preference, then it is all about preference. Mm. And that's not a bad thing because there are people in, that do not know Jesus that will have the same preferences as you. And it's a very easy way to bring people in. But you won't be able to reach everybody. Yeah. And you, you either have to be okay with that and not fight it, Yep. Or be like, no, we need to change, and we need to make a change. Mm. But anytime you make a change, there's heartache. So it's like this weird, like, no matter what you do, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. Yeah. For us. Sure. But for the people who are not surrounded by churches that have people your age, mm-hmm. say you're a, a millennial, you're 30 year old, and you have a young family, um, just start meeting together. Like that's the most important thing. Mm. Like the reason that we were able to plant a church is because I started a small group in my house and it started with six people and it reached to 25 people. Awesome. And we split the groups and they grew again. So it was a natural, easy transition yeah. of taking people that were just in community with me and we just started doing community in the next town over. Yeah. And we called it a church. That's awesome. And we meet together multiple times a week. Um, you don't have to rely on the current churches to do church. Like we're called to, to meet together and to worship together and break bread together. If, if you're struggling, just do that for a little while. Yeah. And focus on like the true importance of what church is. Put them in quotes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, most importantly, the church isn't a building. It's, it's Correct. a body of believers. Yeah. There's a lot of misunderstanding of yeah. what the church is. But you just talked about that. I did. We're yes. going to start talking about something you already talked about. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you have any other closing thoughts on? I mean, we can go in any direction you can, you want. I could. It it kind of feeds into like you know this rabbit trail of of church and frustration and deconstruction and that whole new wave that's coming. Yeah. And um, I can I just sum it all up on what's what's your preference? Mm. Are you going to take on the preferences of God? Or are you going to take on the preferences of of what's popular? And no matter what you're bent towards. You're going to eventually come to the point where you're going to have to make a decision on is, is my preference more important than what God wants and what I read in Scripture? And it's a yes or no answer. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't love Jesus. It's just going to be difficult. Yep. And the, the least obedient you are, the, the more difficult your life is going to be. Mm. And we want faithful and obedient people. It, it, much as possible in the, in the church. Like that's what we push people towards, faithfulness yeah. and obedience. And you've got a whole book of the Bible that shows what happens when, when faithfulness and obedience does not happen. And uh, yeah, We have a whole Bible. That's <laughs> what, yeah, we have, we, have, we have plenty of stories. <laughs> plenty of and stories. you can even look at current day situations with churches of people who were not faithful and obedient and what happens is hurt. So we're called to be as faithful and obedient as possible. We're supposed to be the most consistent humans on the planet. Well, thankfully, um, we are we are called to that. But thankfully, uh, our salvation our, uh, is not reliant upon my consistency. No. Uh, we have the <laughs> no. most consistent, faithful, yes. loving person ever in Jesus Christ. And 
ultimately that's where the freedom comes from, right? It's yeah. My, all that is placed yeah. on him. Um, and so I think it's important um, to phrase the question the way you have, which yeah. is what's your preference? Yeah. Or where is your preference? Is it in, where does it start? Yeah. Is it in you or is it, are you going to make it God's preference? And yeah. that's a great starting point. And um, I think it's, this question, is God good, uh, is a huge stumbling block or roadblock for a lot of people. And, yeah. and the better we can wrap our minds around it and understand what other people are thinking about it, yeah. the, the, I don't know if easier is the right word, but the better chance we have of sharing the gospel and who yes. Jesus is. So uh, thank you for coming on and yeah. sharing your thoughts. I'll talk about this stuff all day. I love. We can uh, make this episode three hours. Yes. I love, <laughs> if we wanted to. Well, we're going to have to do some um, virtual Absolutely. Talks. We can um, do that. But uh, what what was the name of, uh, if you just want to give me the name of your church? Uh, it's Elevate Christian Church. Okay. And, and it's, that's just, in... it's in Lexington, Kentucky, and it's just elevatelex.church. Okay. Is our... I think I said Nicholasville. But... Well, we're in Nicholasville. Okay. This is where I came from. Oh, you want to say Lexington. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the next town over. Okay. It's, Nicholasville is basically a small suburb of, of okay. Lexington. It's a small little country town. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Rob, and yeah. I look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me talk about God. Yeah. <laughs> Love doing it. I hope you enjoyed this sit down with Rob. I know I did. Uh, this conversation is so important to have over, is God good? And what we have to remember is when we come to that question, are we, are we putting our preference as the most important or God's preference? And I think Rob nailed it on the head when he was talking about God's preference and his definition of good is the most important and so much uh, better than when, what we could ever hope to, to think or know in our own life. And so we have to really get outside of ourselves and place God's definition of good above our own. So I wanna say thank you again, Rob, for coming on. That was a great conversation. I'll definitely have to have you back. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, please like, follow, and subscribe to all of our Faithful Doubt platforms. And I'll see you guys next time.